How's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run the Real featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we're dreaming tonight, boys, aren't we? Yes, sir. Probably. With uh, <laughs> oh. Akira Kurosawa, maybe? <laughs> Perhaps? Is it a dream or a nightmare? Hmm. Yeah, yeah we're going to talk about Akira Kurosawa's dreams. Part of our... Akira Kurosawa director-like study we're doing. We did Seven Samurai last week, and now we're doing this. One of his is this his last movie or like one of his last movies? I think he has two more after this. Yeah, very late though in the career. This was 1990, so quite a jump from I think Seven Samurai was 1954. Yep, I was reading on Wikipedia. He like had to get um, assistance from George Lucas and Steven Spielberg to make this one. I saw that, yeah. And it's with Warner Brothers. Yeah, that surprised me. I didn't realize Warner Brothers did this. It's got quite the uh, the attachment of, of film personalities. Martin Scorsese, and I saw Ishiro Honda was a, a consultant. Man. Yeah. Got all the big guns coming in for this one. Yeah, we're going to talk about it, and I think we just changed our format, but we're changing it again for this one specifically, because it, like, follows a collection of tales of Kurosawa's, like, dreams that he has that reoccur, he says, so I think there's eight of them. Yeah, it's like an anthology thing, so yeah, there's a bunch of little shorts in, in this, so it'd probably be easier just to separate them out. I guess we could give our, like, overall general thoughts before we dive into that, though. Yeah, we could do that. Well, what would you think, Mike? You picked this one. It is the law, isn't it? Whoever it is. The law, yeah. <laughs> you know, I kept comparing this one to another movie we've talked about that as, like, a similar format, um, and it's called Quiet On, where it follows, like, short stories. This one is different. It has more, but... Overall, I liked the way that Quaidon did that a lot better. Um, I kept comparing it because it's like a Japanese movie about anthology stories and whatnot. But this one is specifically Kurosawa's Dreams. I don't know. This one was a little little slow and boring for me in some spots. It looks amazing, though. I will give it that 100%. Man, I'm so glad it's not just me. I came into this being like, oh, God, it's going to be spicy. I'm going to be the odd man out. But I agree with both of your statements. Well, you know what? I, too, will breathe a sigh of relief because I thought the same thing. <laughs> I was like, I didn't like Quaden as much as you guys did. I'm probably going to be the exact same way. But so far, three out of four of us feel the same. Dan, what about you? I do think that that other one, I think it's pronounced Quaden, actually. Um, I, did, I did like Quaden better. Because the stories are more fleshed out and more engaging for the most part, though. There are a few in this one, I'd say, are actually quite good. But for those ones that are quite good, there's a bunch, too, that aren't, like, nearly as good, too. Um, I'm specifically thinking of the third one called Blizzard. <laughs> I liked it quite a bit overall, I think, but a lot of that weight is being pulled by a few of these stories in particular, so we'll get into that for sure. 
Yeah, I think it's good that we're breaking these up, you know, because, yeah, whenever I was uh, watching this, I was like, man, I don't know if I can judge this as a whole, because these are all pretty, I think they're, like, pretty different, both in, like, quality and just general production between all of them. I don't know, it's interesting, like, because it kind of has, I thought, a similar vibe to something like The Seven Samurai, like, with, like, the pacing, I guess, but it was, like, I think that what hurts it is, yeah, because these are, like, not... It doesn't feel as focused, I guess. Like, it doesn't really ever... I mean, I guess maybe that's the point. You know, it's dreams. You just... You, is there really, like, a, a point to these dreams or whatever? But it's kind of unsatisfying when, like, you, like, sit around for so long watching these people. I don't know. Like, we're talking about the second segment. There's one where they just, like, walk through the snow for most of it. And it's like, uh, I don't know if it was worth the buildup to get to this. <laughs> I kind of felt that way about a lot of the segments. It's like, okay, we watch this guy walk around for a while. We listen to some guy talk for 10 minutes. And it's like, I don't know if it's worth the payoff. I feel like his, 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 his like, style, I feel like, might just be better suited for really like more long form stuff because and the more focused stuff as well with the, like, it seems like a more like thought out narrative. I agree. I do prefer all his longer stuff to this, but I think this does have some of its own merits too, which we'll get into when we talk about the individual stories in this, if you can even call them stories, some of them, I don't know if you could call it a story or not, but, um, Vignettes. Yeah, vignette. That's a good way to put it. it. It's interesting. I feel like this is a very personal film for Kurosawa, um, especially what a lot of the, I mean, the main like themes running through this are like death and acceptance of death, um, nature, and I guess maturing as well. So since this was pretty late in his life, I think that has he put a lot of himself into this movie i get that vibe too that this was pretty personal to him and like these dreams probably mean something to him but i didn't get that across from a bunch of these except unless it was very apparent like a few of these are very apparent i think the message he's trying to get across and pretty blunt about it as well I think that's what kind of bothered me. You know, you kind of said TV about like getting to the payoff. I, I think, and we obviously will get deeper into this later, but I don't know. I, I just, it felt weird to me having a moral of the story to a lot of these dreams, like a lesson, like Akira is like, hey, here's something I want you to know before this is over. And I think those were probably my least favorite. I'd, I'd agree. It's weird because I think... He he does do that where he's like very forcefully telling you what he thinks. And then at the same time, he has another one that does it very tactfully and does it in a much better way, <laughs> you know, all in the same movie. So it, it's interesting, like specifically, I'm thinking like the last one is very it's a basically it's a big monologue over what he thinks <laughs> yeah it is uh, whereas the second one he does almost the same thing but he does it in this really beautiful tactful way which has a ton of more impact and is handled really really well so it it well we'll we'll get into it we'll get into it it's just it is kind of odd i think <laughs> Like I think a lot, so there are some really cool shots in this as well, but visually, some of them also I thought weren't that good either. Like, 
it might just be a, a problem with like, you know, he is older in his career. He might not like even just understand some of these like filming techniques. He's, I don't know. He might not be as used to like the more modern stuff, but some of like the effects and stuff I thought were pretty weird. I mean, this was the nineties too, so that might be part of it, but I don't know. I, I didn't feel like his style worked well with some of the visual effects he was trying to like pull off either in this. It is pretty effects heavy in some of these, which from all the ones I've seen is quite a bit different. And I think I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think Ishiro Honda is who was helping him do that. I don't know if he caught in the credits, but industrial light and magic were the people who did the effects for this one too. So that was, that was interesting. I think I almost wish I didn't know that going in. I feel like maybe I might have hyped myself up a little much with that tidbit of trivia. Maybe I shouldn't have read the trivia before I watched it. I guess you guys ready? Break this down. Spoiler warning from here on in. Let's do it. All right. So, like I said, this movie does have like eight episodic dreams in it um, instead of a single one. So the first one is called Sunshine Through the Rain. And this is about a boy who encounters something like out in the the rain and there's like a fox involved and it, it's pretty nuts. I, I didn't quite get what this one was. It was interesting though. It's like a fox wedding or something and like they don't want humans to see it and the kid sneaks out even though his mom tells him not to and he sees it and then uh, he gets in big trouble. Oh, he just went out there and saw these people doing some ritual and then he tried to come back and they were like no you can't come in now well his mom told him since because it's sunny right it's sunny while it's raining and apparently um that means that the foxes are having their wedding and so he wanted to go out and see it but she told him no nah, you can't do it he did it anyways and then when he got back he's his mom's like you can't come in. The foxes said you got to kill yourself. So you got to go find them and beg for forgiveness. And that's that's the whole one. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and then he wanders over to like to the underneath a rainbow and that's the end. Yeah, it's like, "Huh? Okay." Yep. <laughs> it's the cover art of the the thing on IMDb. Strong start. I I like this one. I just and this is going to be like kind of a thing throughout because i just don't feel like the payoff is there at all for this like he wanders off to start his journey and i was like "Ooh, is it gonna be like interconnected with all the other stories or something is he gonna be like walking through all these dreams but no he just he just wanders off into to the woods or the the plains or wherever he goes and that's at the end mm-hmm. yeah there is no payoff in this one which i i mean that makes it feel like a dream like you're going through this whole thing and then you wake up you know, at a certain point. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't really like, yeah, it doesn't pay off. It kind of is a little unsatisfying in that regard. I'd agree with you on. It's a gorgeous like story, though, like from visually and how it's shot and everything. Oh, yeah. Honestly, the like lack of payoff is what makes this one, I think, my favorite out of all of them. It's just so weird, and I feel like if we're going to show dreams, dreams are weird, man. I don't know if I've ever had like a dream where I woke up and I was like, hmm, that seemed perfectly normal. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, I just love when he comes home and I'm like, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen. Is he going to get scolded? Nah, no, nah, the, the, the fox has just dropped off a harakiri knife for him to off himself, NBD. 
Ah, and it does look really good. I don't know. I thought the prof- the procession they do through the woods was one of my favorite visual moments of the whole thing. Oh yeah, that was probably one of my favorites too. It was so weird looking. Like they they look like uh, hand puppets at first, but it's like people doing all those moves. It was really cool. So Kurosawa's taken a lot of inspiration from No Theater, N O H, over in Japan. I think specifically Throne of Blood. I was reading the Criterion booklet for that, and they were talking about a lot of how that inspired that film a lot. So I think that, that well, there's two like main types. There's no, and then there's the other type that I don't I don't remember because I didn't have enough time as I wanted to to look into all this stuff before this review. Um, but I think that inspired a lot of this one and the second one too if i had to guess and it does look really cool because they're wearing all the masks in this one they've got the the gorgeous uh traditional clothing and stuff on and they're going through the woods it's it it's just it's very magical mystical feeling which is really cool this one reminded me the most of like Quaden, I think, out of all of these ones, just because it's more folklore-based. Yeah, I kind of got like a Ghibli vibe. I feel like it could have been like a the start to like a Studio Ghibli movie, like Spirited Away or something like that. Ooh, that's a that's a good comparison. It does feel like that. <laughs> Was this the one? I kind of confused the first two of these together a little bit. Um, Was this the one? Where he went to the hill, and there was the big like uh, layers of people doing no. some ritual. That's the second one. Okay, this one's the one where he just found the like the parade through the forest, right? Yep. Man, there's a lot of rituals and parades in this, so I get them confused occasionally. Yeah, this one was interesting for me, but yeah, I think I'm with you, TV. There's just like no payoff. But visually, I love the shot of him uh, walking through the flowers towards the rainbow at the end. That one looked very good. I liked that quite a bit. What a nice shot. What a cool shot. And that matte painting, too. Oh, man, that was so good looking. I loved it. It's kind of like, like I was saying on Seven Samurai, like, I don't know, somehow his black and white films just like seem in color. I don't know. This is like how I like I envision the color in those movies. I guess it's weird. I don't know how to describe it, but like somehow I feel like you get that vibe from his black and white stuff. It's because his his images are so rich. There's so much going on in any of his shots at one given time. It's it it really adds a lot to it. It's interesting too because this came out five years after Ran did, and I think that one is his best usage of color in a film that I've seen out of his. So this was a really interesting follow-up to that movie. Because <laughs> the color's gorgeous in this one, too, but it's it's utilized a lot differently. Yeah, it kind of threw me off. I almost think it's almost too colorful, but I mean, I don't know. It's Maybe I'm just used to his black and white stuff, but it's just it's very bright and... It's very, I don't know, the colors like in themselves, like the pinks and the reds and stuff are just so like, they don't feel like they like fit in with the real world, which maybe is the point, but it it, it is, it's kind of strange. It really threw me off through a lot of these, actually. I dug it. <laughs> I loved it that it looked 
It, it gives it that mystical, like, you're in another world feeling. It does look like someone just cranked up the contrast on it, though, for, like, everything besides the people. <laughs> I get what you mean, TV. It is very vibrant. I do wish there was maybe, like, a little more contrast and even some, like, heavier saturation, like we, we saw what Punch Drunk Love, right, that had that, like, epic such deep like rich saturation on the reds and i do kind of wish that had some sort this had some sort of color color grading or correcting like that i feel like that would have really pushed it into like this epic tier i was just thinking man i'd love to see a 4k disc of this movie i'm surprised they don't have one maybe they will there's not a whole lot i think ran is the only one of his that has a 4k disc if i'm not mistaken You'd think they'd remaster these in the 4K. Maybe they're working on them. I bet they are. Like, there's definitely a market for that. I'm. We'd be surprised if it's not in the works already. Yeah. But but yeah, this one it starts out strong with the visual style right out the gate, which is nice. If if this one does anything really well, it does that really well. <laughs> It is probably one of my favorites. I I just like this. I mean, it's basically all just set up for like what feels like a bigger story, but I, I like the setup quite a bit. It's like mystical and creepy at the same time. It's pretty cool. And it teaches you not to be a, a peeping Tom, too. So it's got a <laughs> yes. life lesson in there. <laughs> don't mess with the fox. Yeah, don't mess with fox, you hear? Yeah, how do you feel about that, Fox? That's right. You don't mess with foxes. We hate it when you see our weddings. <laughs> I think we all saw this wedding. Uh, yeah, you all better be watching your backs. Is that why I got a knife in the mail the other day? <laughs> Did think it was strange you showed up for the podcast today. <laughs> well, I'm, I'll beg for forgiveness later after the show. <laughs> well, I guess we ready for the peach orchard then? Yeah, the second segment. Let's do it. All right. The Peach Orchard's next, and someone else should give the overview because I was confusing the first two stories together. So a, a boy, right on. It's, it's doll festival day. His family's got a big doll collection. His sister's got a bunch of friends over, and he spots this girl who's disappearing. So he goes outside to look for her, and what does he find but a bunch of doll people? Who are who are mad at his family because they cut down the peach trees and they can't do their their seasonal doll festival dance, but then they realize that the boy loves the peach trees and nature, so they agree to do the dance and let him see the trees one more time. And that's that's uh, that's literally the end. of the notes for this uh, segment at the final things like all right, and that's it. Again, <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> <Yep>. again. <laughs> Although this one is more satisfying than the first one in terms of the ending, I'd say. This is probably my second favorite one. It's a toss-up for me. The, the, the three of these that are really good, like, I like them all quite a bit. Um, but yeah, this one is one of them for sure that's <laughs> real good. <laughs> yeah, this has a very similar vibe to the first one with the kid and the, the strange ghosts or doll people. I didn't realize they were doll people until... I think they said, like, the spirit of the dolls always come for the Peach Festival or something like that. Um, I was like, oh, I see. That explains all the weird masks. I thought they were just being creepy and weird, but... Same. Yeah, <laughs> it makes sense now. Well, and it's that's probably going back to that 
the traditional theater as well that he likes. Yeah, I think this one has the, um, when I open the IMDb page on my phone, it's got like the two mask things. and It kind of looks like a horror movie a little bit. I did like that ritual they did at the end. I thought that was pretty fun to watch and interesting. Yeah, I like that too. The music for that scene in particular I thought was really good too. I did not quite understand what was happening watching it, but that was probably just me not picking up on it, I guess. I don't know. Did you guys get what was happening? Yeah, so so this is one of his that is talking about the beauty of nature, right? Basically, that that girl who he thought was with his sister but ended up not being is like, I, I took it as she was like a spirit of the actual peach trees, you know? Yeah. Um, and not a doll spirit. So she leads him out there to the peach tree orchard, which his family has cut down, right? And so the spirits aren't happy about that because... They've gotten rid of the beautiful peach trees. Um, and so the boy's upset about that and the spirits recognize it. So they do their little dance so that way he could see the peach trees one last time, you know, which that was really effective because once they finish it like has that beautiful shot of him with all the peach trees and then it like abruptly cuts to what it's like in real life when they're all gone and it's so sad yeah i like that too yeah all the all the tree stumps are like where all the dolls were i was like oh it's like the spirit of the forest staying in there yeah the kid has a, a real poignant line too he says something along the lines of like, you can buy a peach from the store, but you can't buy an orchard in bloom, which that, I think, really hammered home the the theme for this one quite a bit. Yeah, the imagery is pretty cool. I, I thought the ghosts were, like, this is where I start to have, like, a little bit of an issue with, like, the colors. I thought they looked a little too, like, they look kind of goofy to me, just with all the bright colors, I guess. I don't know. It, it kind of took me out of it just because it was so, like, Almost uh, like I like, and don't get me wrong, I like Power Rangers, but I was like, this, they, they kind of look like the Power Rangers a little <laughs> bit. Uh, they do, but I think the the like the imagery itself of like them turning into the yeah the cut down trees and stuff was pretty sweet, and the dance they do is cool. Uh, but also, I would say I think it takes a little too long. It kind of goes on for a while. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It is very indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> I just I loved how. Like they were all terraced on there and doing their performance. It was so cool. Like I've never seen anything quite like that before. Um, and it added a lot to the film, I think. It it is a long time to get through it, but I didn't mind it too much. And I, I liked how colorful they were, because I mean, he's trying to um replicate like what those peach trees look like. And those things are beautiful when they're in bloom, right? So I feel like he's trying to compensate for that a little bit with the colors. Maybe the theater garb is that colorful too. I don't know for sure, but but they do have all the peach blossoms come in too, which was really nice effect during it. And I thought the the girls, like she, but she's wearing pink, like a, a peach blossom would look like and. I thought that would, like was very fitting for what they're trying to go for. That definitely, that I like that one quite a bit. That dress or 
whatever you call it. I know it's not called a dress, but <laughs> it it looked really nice. Like that color just like popped and really stood out <laughs> in this. The costumes in all of these that take place like back in the day or like have at least scenes from feudal Japan. I guess sometimes there's a question of like what time's taking place, but all of these old timey costumes in this one are just I, I think they're killer. I don't know. I love them. They they're just so weird. They kind of take me into the dream place just because yeah, they don't make sense to me almost. <laughs> like this one wasn't even like creepy or scary or really that depressing. But I was still kind of just taken aback, like mesmerized by like the bizarreness of the whole sequence. It's cool because it, it goes back to like when we were talking about Quaid and it's a lot different look at folklore and myths from another culture and how it's handled a lot differently from like things over here, you know, just how they interact with them and like the main character interacts with the mystical beings and stuff is so different. I I just love seeing it represented like this. It is interesting. I wish for me personally, um, maybe this is like an overall criticism I have, is they would have focused more on a few of these instead of all eight. Because this was an interesting one. Um, I'm remembering it more as we're talking about it. And I wish it would have been uh, more fleshed out because this one was kind of just a blip for me thinking about the movie back through it. So I feel like I'm not adequately putting into words the feelings I had when I watched this one. I think it's something you have to experience to get the full effect, which is odd for me to say because I always got something to say about things, <laughs> I feel like. Oh, no, I get you. I, I think... You know, I guess if we're talking just kind of in the overall sense, I recently watched another piece recommended by Dan here called uh, Angel's Egg from the 80s. And it's very dreamlike. There, there's really no purpose. It's just image after image after image. But I, yeah, I don't know how to like describe the experience of it. I guess kind of how I felt with this one, just like accepting it at face value, knowing nothing, trying to make meaning of it without context. I don't know. It is kind of a neat feeling, I think, sometimes. That's interesting. Yeah, because I, I feel like, Dan, you've said before on the show that you're not a big dream-like guy. You don't really like that stuff. I, I Well, see, it, it depends on how it's done, I think. And I will admit, I'm very biased to Kurosawa because I love his movies, and he's one of my favorite directors. Like, a lot of dream sequences are the things I have problems with the most in movies because they're usually like don't have any point in there and a lot of directors use them as like a cheap way to you know what i mean they use it to like cheap out on the story in some way or another then you've got things like mandy or beyond the black rainbow where they're like i i, I don't know like it, it feels like there's not as much story or development there it's kind of like I, I don't know, because it, it's the same with this one, but for some reason, this one, I think the imagery makes it much more impactful and gets the story across better than in something like Mandy, you know? I don't really know why. Maybe it's because it's based in reality, whereas Mandy's definite, definitely not so. 
And maybe it doesn't, you think it helps though? It's like just like it's chopped up a lot too, that it's not like just like you're not having to stick with one thing for a while or. I, you know what? I think, I think you're on to something there, TV. I bet, I bet you're right. Cause like, yeah, these are all like 20 minutes max. So I'm not, I'm never stuck with one for a while. It doesn't, it doesn't overstay its welcome, especially, especially this one. Um, like I think this one and a couple of the others were like, pretty much as perfect as you could get for something like this you know it, it it comes in you get the awesome visuals that tell the story but it's got a good message and story underneath it as well plus all the acting's really good from the um child actor here too which was very impressive i thought so i, I don't know yeah it it all worked for me with this it vibed with you it's like art whatever speaks to you Whatever gets to your core. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. Yeah, you never know till it happens. You'll have to watch it to find out about this one. But you guys ready for the blizzard? I'm ready for blizzard. Let's do it. Speaking of, uh, you know, you mentioned that none of these overstay their welcome. I will say this one might be the sole <laughs> one where I was like, this is too much. This is taking way too long. This is ridiculous. I do not care what happens anymore because we've watched this guy walk in the snow for like 15 minutes and nothing has happened. <laughs> I won't lie. I fell asleep during this one. <laughs> I feel so Dang. bad admitting it, but I did. Like It was so like blue. And like depressing and like sleepy, like the music was really good and really creepy. But man, they just walking and it's like snowing outside, and I'm indoors with my nice blanket, but I can hear all the wind. It's like perfect sleeping weather. <laughs> <laughs> man, and honestly, this like this, I feel like this is almost like a classic urban legend. I don't know, like I know this story. I've heard it like a million times already. We were right by the camp the whole time. Who would have guessed? We almost gave up and died. Like, yeah, yeah, we know. We <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I guess if we could need to summarize it, I'll just say there's a bunch of there's like five dudes walking around in the snow. They seem to slowly be dying because they can't find, they haven't gotten to the next camp yet. A creepy, like, snow woman shows up and uh, saves him slash scares him. I don't know what she does exactly. And then it turns out, yeah, they're by the camp the whole time and they made it. They all lived. So that was about it. I think she's trying to off him, get him to feel sleepy like Dan. She was covering him up. Yeah. That's what I thought when I woke, when I like woke up and saw that that's what i thought was happening um and i was like "Ooh, it's it's the this the yokai from quaden but but i'm not sure because that yokai is like which which that's why it's so interesting in that movie right because she has ulterior motives like she preys on those who get lost but then again she was with that one guy for a long time and had kids whereas in this one i'm not sure if she was trying to off the guy or help them realize that, hey, you're like two feet from your camp over in this direction or something, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah, I have no idea, honestly. Yeah, she's like saying, telling him like the snow is warm and it's like, and I, yeah, I was like, is she saving him? But then she gets really creepy at some point. So I was like, eh, it doesn't feel the vibe she's giving off is not a very helpful one. So I don't know. 
at the start of this one, I was getting pumped because I I love like cold um, Arctic stories like this. It looks like they're either climbing up a mountain or in the Arctic. And then the like yokai thing shows up. I was like, okay, finally something. <laughs> finally, and then <laughs> it, it just doesn't really capitalize on any of that setup. I feel like um, this one probably has the weakest payout of all of them, I think. Um, which is kind of a bummer because I was pretty pumped for it when it started. Me too. The shots in this, I think, are really cool. Like, it it looks really good with them walking around through the snow, but I can only take it for so long. <laughs> it just goes for forever. Mm-hmm. It is way too long. It definitely lasts way too long. There's a difference between the performance and the peach orchard taking a while and then this, you know, <laughs> which I mean, he did it on purpose. So I'm guessing his dream is him just walking around in the cold for a long time. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Maybe he should have just left this one out, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a weird. I guess people have dreams like that, though. You know, he's just like wandering around lost somewhere. Apparently he was like a mountain climber or something. People thought it might have been based on like an experience he actually had. That'd be pretty cool. I did like the demon, if I had any compliments for it. I liked her costume and her look and her weirdness, but... I was just happy something showed up to, to change up the, the thing. <laughs> her hair blowing around was pretty cool. It made her look pretty creepy. I will say the music is kind of weird in this one too at the end when like... It's like triumphant in the mountains. And it's really happy. <laughs> yeah. That felt a little cheesy. I was like, eh, I don't know about this. Man, that was so cheesy. It's okay. <laughs> it was. But I think it was kind of supposed to be, maybe. I don't know. Like, it was kind of cracking me up, like, with how cheesy and over the top <laughs> it was, I guess. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was so happy. Maybe they were closer to death than we realized. Oh, God. Yeah. Are they going to, like, heaven or something? <laughs> It's like heaven's trumpets blaring at them. (laughs) (laughs) You've done it. The the creepy music was pretty good, though, in this one. I did really dig that. (laughs) I agree with that, yeah. Well, should we move on to segment four? Yeah, we probably ought to keep trucking, yeah. Yes, please. This one didn't have... (laughs) The blizzard didn't have much going on. No, it did not, unfortunately. (laughs) But the, the next one's called The Tunnel. I think this one's my favorite out of them. So this dude is in his army getup or fatigues, casual army getup, I guess. I don't know. He's walking through this tunnel and he gets there and it's like huge and it's pitch black. And then this dog comes out um, with grenades, question mark, in his saddle. I had the misfortune of learning what anti-tank dogs were. Oh, oh, yep. So, yeah, okay, that makes the story even better. Yeah, it's even worse now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's worse, but it makes the effect even better. So the anti-tank dog comes out and starts growling and barking at him. And so he has to go through this tunnel, right? And he gets out on the other side. And then a ghostly figure of one of the people under his command come out and he's once he doesn't know where he's at and he wants to go home but the dude has to tell him that he's dead and he can't go home and so he leaves and goes into the tunnel and then 
The real kicker comes marching out of the tunnel, the entire platoon of dead men that he sent to um, their deaths comes out, and he has to face it and deal with it again. Oh, man, this one was real good. (laughs) I loved this one. It is tough to watch because this one did feel like a dream to me, the most, one of the most, like, realistic dreams like somebody dealing with that stuff would probably have dreams about it like this and i like the way that the dead soldiers looked a lot in this it looks like they painted them like a mix of bluish white and they're all in their like military gear and everything and when they all come walking out it's like in unison i like that quite a bit that was such a good reveal too because it's just the one guy at at the start right and you're like man that's pretty sad like i get it he's feeling bad and then he goes and then you hear that marching and i was just like oh no (laughs) then they all come out and ooh, it it hits hard you're like oh boy this guy has it a lot worse than i thought he did yeah that the general like just the concept of this one was really cool i thought with the 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 haunting the failures of his past coming back and like haunting him and stuff and that tunnel's such like a perfect representation of his mental state too, right? Because it's this long, dark, depressing thing that he can't get out of and can't get away from and it just keeps going on, you know? And all these bad memories are coming out of it. It's like, it's perfect. What a great way to represent that in a short amount of time. And it seemed it seemed like to me like when he came out of the tunnel, it was like he was end up to, ended up in the same spot he had begun. Like, I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because like the tunnel. I mean, how do I know what the other side of the tunnel looks like? I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it looked like to me like he he had just started. He was back where he started. Yep, and it's so creepy too at the start, especially when that dog comes out. It just it sets up the like for you to be scared by something, you know. And it doesn't go that direction, but it helps you buy into all the ghost platoon coming out, you know, later on. I really like the performance of the commander guy as well. When he was given the uh, the message telling all the soldiers that they were dead and that he like sent them to their death and whatnot, that was really well done. Man, I was feeling sad listening to him do all that. I was like, oof. He got me good. I liked his performance a lot. Yep, this one was pretty solid. Akira Toreo, I think is how you say his name. He's like the recurring character in all of these. He's just list he's just listed as I in the credits, but then like the little boy are also listed as like I as a boy and I as a young child and things like that. But this one he does the best at in acting what a great performance it hits everything that like i liked about the second one but it's even more effective in this one like just all the imagery matches the state of the guy's mind and the story perfectly yep i agree this one is good probably one of my favorites uh it's probably tied with the well, I don't know. I think my favorite's yet to come, but we'll, we'll, get, there. we'll get there. Perhaps it's the next segment, if we're ready. Yeah, let's do it. We're halfway done. Four down. Segment five. 
Crows. Speaking of uh, great performances, I will throw <laughs> there's a performance in this I don't think it's that great. But oh, no. I do <laughs> not my like boy. this one a lot. Yeah, yeah. Not my boy. <laughs> I think we all know who I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> this one's kind of weird. It's like a it's about a, a guy who's like studying Van Gogh's art and he like gets like sucked into all of his paintings and ends up ends up meeting Van Gogh himself. Um and Van Gogh kind of like he finds out like Van Gogh's kind of obsessive and crazy a little bit. Um, and he's like, he's at, he compares himself to like a train and he just keeps on working and driving himself like a train to keep painting and painting. I have to keep painting. And yeah, I mean, that's about it really. And then Van Gogh disappears into the sunset of his own painting. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Van Gogh is played by the man himself, Martin Scorsese. Was it really? Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't really like that performance. <laughs> yeah. The only person who's not an actor in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, oh man, I was kind of excited to see him because I knew he was in it. But then I was like, well, you know, but, but what did I expect, honestly? Like, he's a director. He's not an actor. He does kind of look like him, though. I, I, you know, I can see where Kurosawa was coming from in that regard. I bet he put him in there because he really, like, likes his and appreciates his films and yeah he doesn't do a great job but it it was passable for me i think just because you're not with them a ton you know <laughs> right yeah he only has a few lines yeah but like it it's very interesting though you mentioned like how he goes off into the the sunset of his own painting at the end right but I think it might be a little bit more sinister than that because Van Gogh's like saying how he's compelled to um, create art and stuff before he goes, you know, and then at the very end, he's walking into his field, but there's a bunch of crows that come out at the end too while he's walking away and crows are like, a harbinger of death or whatever, you know, that's what they represent. So I'm thinking maybe this one was Kurosawa saying like he's compelled to get his, get these movies and his thoughts out here in film before he passes away, you know, cause this was late in his career. He only, he died eight years after this movie came out, I think. So I really think this one might be one of those really personal takes that he wanted to get out there. It's like the dark side of art, I guess, you know, it's like there's some artists who are just so obsessed with it and like, not in a good way, like Van Gogh in this, even is like, I didn't like how my ear looked when I drew it. So I just chopped it off, you know? And like, he's like, just, he's, it's like a matter of fact, like it doesn't matter. Like I, I really like the dark undertone of this one where, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily a happy ending. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's basically like, that's all he's about is art. And that might not be a healthy outlook, but. I think that a lot of artists think of themselves this way too, which is interesting. It's a cool look into maybe perhaps Kurosawa's mind, or at least like the mind of an artist, certain artists at least. That painting the scene is based on is like, I think maybe like maybe his last painting before he committed suicide. So I do think you're onto something there about there being a more sinister tone than it seems. So I guess it does kind of, I just feel weird with this one. Because I do think you guys are right about this cool feeling of, like, the dark side of art. And, like, Van Gogh was definitely, like, a, you know, a troubled guy when he was alive. 
but I feel like the piece overall kind of misses the mark. I don't know. Like, the uh, this one has the special effects that I'm not so keen on. And, like, Van Gogh's whole thing was, like, keeping in this sort of sense of reality. Like, you know, his paintings were weird, but they like, didn't stray too far. You know, they weren't, like, abstract or surrealist. And I feel like this just ventures into territory that's, like, not really in the spirit of the art that it's trying to, like, be. I don't know. I was not impressed on the whole. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll agree with you. I didn't really like the effects of him walking around through the different arts. I thought it looked kind of bad. Kind of blues, Cluzy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, some sort of, like, Nick for Kids thing. Um, But it was, like, it was, I like the idea of it, I guess. I just like the, I don't know if it necessarily sticks the landing, like, in terms of, like, settling on something concrete. And I kind of feel that way about a lot of these. But I think it, it touches on some stuff that maybe it's just more interesting to me. And it's just... I like the like the the idea of like the the fan meeting the artist and realizing stuff about him. But I, we never do really figure out where the main character I, I guess is what he's labeled as like what he thinks about all this because he kind of just wanders around after that. It could be too that like maybe I is like a younger Kurosawa talking to older Kurosawa at the end of his career in this one. I do like that interpretation. That's always a cool kind of thing. I I, I want to touch on the effects on this one because I actually liked them quite a bit <laughs> for this one. So um, I wasn't expecting him to like walk through all the paintings, but I thought it was pretty cool that they actually like, I don't, I, I don't know how they did it because there's like one shot in here that was, that really impressed me, like where he walks through the background like he goes behind a portion of the art, you know, and then like he walks past it when he's like exiting the painting or whatever. And I don't I thought that was really impressive because it still looked like it looked like I, I get what you're saying. It looked kind of cheap because it they're trying to like uh, make it look like a 2D painting, you know. But in that scene, like, it's obviously, it's like a three-dimensional thing because he walked behind it and then walked in front of it. And I was like, I thought that was really cool that they were able to, like, build something that looked so much like the artwork, you know? I think that was all just green screen for most of it. Like, I don't know. I think part of it is practical, though, because he's casting a shadow in the one you're talking about, Dan. And I did appreciate that one more. That That's why I thought it was practical, because he walks... He walks behind that thing and then comes in front of it. And that kind of like blew my mind a little bit. I was like, no way. Is he going to walk in front of that now? And he was coming like towards the screen a little bit. And then he did. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. So I I liked that. And then there's another shot in here I really liked. When he first goes into the painting and it's like real life, but it's got all the really cool colored bricks for the bridge and stuff. There's there's a shot where he walks past the bridge and it lingers like on that bridge and it looks just like a painting because they've got like the I, I don't know how to describe it, but it has like those it looks like brush strokes and then it has like a thicker outline on the bricks that's like black and stuff. That would be the instance I thought it actually worked really well. Yeah, I like that a lot. The first painting he goes through, like I was like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." How he he, he was he like, yeah, he, that must have took him forever to like paint all that stuff to make it look like that. 
Yeah, I was going to mention, I didn't like this one as much as you guys did. It was kind of weird and interesting, though. But what I did like was some of the visuals in this one. I'm kind of more with you, Dan. There's one shot um, of, like, a cornfield with, like, this Wizard of Oz path going through it. And then the crows, like, fly through it um, up from the field. I liked that quite a bit. That was um, a cool shot, I thought. Some of this visual stuff in this segment was pretty interesting Mm -hmm. yeah i thought it was pretty cool too i guess we ready for the next one the next dream mount fuji in red yeah what's this one about mike um so this one is about like a nuclear power plant that's melting down um and the sky's like changing different color and some people make it to like the edge of the sea And I'm not quite sure if I remember exactly what happens, but they get, like, radiation and stuff, and it causes, like, birth defects or whatnot. Yeah, and all the people were just drowning themselves in the water, too. Yeah, it's like a culmination, like Mount Fuji is exploding or something, and, yeah, all the nuclear reactors, there's, like, six nuclear reactors that all exploded as well. So some crazy stuff's happening, and everybody's, like, panicking and running away. It, like, melts the mountain and kills all of Japan off, basically. This one was all right. I didn't really like it that much. Um, like, I kind of, I mean, I get what he's going for, I guess, with, like, the nuclear stuff's bad and all that, but I don't know. I, it was just a lot of, like, it kind of, like, was predictable and just, like, they were just talking about how, uh, the ending was basically just the guy saying how bad the nuclear radiation is and stuff like that, which, you know, makes sense. You know, Japan has a bad history with this stuff which you know i get it but it's kind of like all right like yeah i don't know it didn't, it didn't really like do anything super interesting i thought with like the premise kind of felt like something out of an inconvenient truth to me to be honest yeah i agree this one's pretty on the nose i think this one and the last one are very on the nose with the point he's trying to get across pretty blunt about it i did like the way um, like the sets looked in this one with the the sky all red and menacing in the background. It was creepy in a good way. It it has its moments visually, like Mount Fuji kind of starting to melt was pretty cool, I thought. Um, well, not cool, but you know what I mean. And then like the um all the people running around and then them cutting to like all their belongings just laying on the ground and just the dude walking amongst it. I thought that was a really good shot, personally. There was like a red scarf like on like a pole or something sticking up like fluttering in the wind when he walked by. They did something with like the with an effect or whatever where they had the three different colors of the um radiation at once on the screen that I thought was pretty cool. Oh, with like the smoke and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were like all three there at once, and that was neat. Yeah, he's talking about like the colors, like each one means a different thing, which I thought that was kind of interesting. But I was like, I, do they actually do that? I didn't know you could like even see radiation. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> that was kind of weird, but it was a cool idea. I liked the the idea of it. It was very. That was a cool point of him, like just like. How ironic that man was <laughs> like, it doesn't really matter. Once you see it, like you're screwed no matter what. So why would you even label it? I thought it was kind of a dumb criticism. Like, it seems like you'd want to know what it is so you could treat it better. Like, 
if we're gonna do it, let's have some safety precautions. One did just kill you, and the other two were just like, you know, it would still be horrible, but I feel like at least treatable. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know what you're walking into, at least. I get what he's going for with it. It just wasn't, I didn't find it super in, in, engaging or intriguing, really. It probably had more impact back then. I say back then, it's not, oh God, maybe it is, what, 30 years ago? Oh, <laughs> it has been 30 years. <laughs> 32 years? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, so. been, it's pretty old. I don't know. Um, I wasn't alive 32 years ago, so I don't know how that time was and how much people knew about nukes and radiation and that kind of thing. So maybe it was more impactful back then as a scare tactic type thing, you know, which I mean, I agree with Kurosawa on this, but yeah, it, it just doesn't make for as engaging a story as these other ones it i don't want to say it feels like a rant because it doesn't but <laughs> it, it's more akin to something like that than 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 like the nuance and stuff with like the peach orchard and the tunnel this one feels like he's yeah just trying to tell you what's on his mind basically yeah like kind of like you were saying with the uh, earlier when we were just doing the general thoughts like the last one's like kind of just like oh and here's what kurosawa thinks about this and it's like okay that's what we're doing with this one too it doesn't really take an interesting angle like the like the japan like being in a complete meltdown that's an interesting angle but i don't know the, the payoff for it wasn't quite there either i don't think i think this one is something that was probably personal to akira kurosawa it's what this one feels like to me because he was probably alive when some of the stuff was going on. He was uh, born actually, in He definitely was. I, I get why he probably dreams about this one, but in the movie context, I don't think it fit very well. Especially with the one after this, which takes a lot more interesting of an angle, I think. They're both very similar, I feel like, and it's kind of interesting that he decided to put both of these in there. Like, But I feel like the next one's more interesting, a little bit at least. Um, I don't know. It's strange. I do think this one kind of soured me on the next one, though, because I was like, yes, we get it. We know. We." <laughs> I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I was like, all right, we're doing this again, huh? Okay. <laughs> That's true. Well, but they feel like they might connect some, too, you know? If they do, it makes it a lot more interesting if you look at them as a like a connected pair, you know? At least I think it does. We're talking about this, uh, the weeping demon... I guess in which a dude comes comes in like onto this mountain and he meets a guy with like a demon head who has like a horn coming out of his head and there's giant giant plants everywhere and the world has been ruined by nuclear holocaust and mutated all the plants and now he and some other people are demons with demon heads and they can never die and they just gotta suffer here because they were involved with the nuclear industry. Yeah, that's basically it. This one. I took it like they're trapped in hell, basically, or a version of it, and like connecting it to like nuclear apocalypses, hell on Earth, basically, you know? Yeah, definitely. The demon angle is really cool in this, I think. I like that a lot. <laughs> he goes into it a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, maybe he goes into it a bit too much, honestly, but I like the idea of it. The concept is cool, I think. It's like, yeah, with the demon, they talk about like the hierarchy, and it's like, is this guy really a demon or is he yeah just like a mutated man because of the radiation you don't really it's it's kind of an interesting angle to take on it what i liked about this one 
was kind of the otherworldly feel of it. Like when that massive, uh, what is it? It's a dandelions in the background and those big flowers and stuff. And you have the little demon dudes who go down in that hole and they're screaming and whatnot. I like that quite a bit. That was kind of like a little nightmarish and dreamy. And I like that vibe. Um, this one was actually probably my favorite out of them just because of that stuff. It was really freaky. Like I wasn't expecting it. The the demon is creepy looking. Yeah, I I thought they did a good job with him. And he at the end when he's like, "Do you want to become a demon too?" You're like, oh no, oh, yeah. no, I don't. <laughs> please no. <laughs> that was cool. Just that like that scene of them all like around the blood pool or whatever, screaming and rolling around was like really effective. <laughs> that was awesome. I like that for a bit, but also I feel like once again, just he just lingers on it for so long. I don't know. That's just a common problem I have with it. It took too long, and I kind of wish they would have like noticed him up there and then all started chasing him at the end instead of just the one. Because yeah, this one felt like a nightmare kind of that had more of a point to it, but I think it could have been taken a little bit further than it was. Which is why I like to think that the previous ones connected to this, you know, like maybe this was the aftermath and what happened after all those reactors blew up, you know, and somehow our main guy, I survived or whatever and made it through in this hellscape. <laughs> Gives it a little more weight, more stuff going on. I guess it almost felt like a little comedic to me that in like the preceding one, the guy is like, yep, this is our fault. We built nukes. Probably all going to go to hell for this. I'm going to kill myself. And then in the next one, we meet a demon who's like, yep, we're all in hell. We built nukes. This is our fault. <laughs> He's like, hmm. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're ready to move on to the final segment. The village of watermills. Yes, yeah, segment eight. This is the one I was talking about at the start when we were talking like he, he makes such like interesting short stories that are very poignant and tactful and get their message across with the visuals, specifically the peach orchard. And then he does something like this where he just sits you down for 10 minutes and tells you his <laughs> viewpoint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very blunt. Straight to the point. Wait a minute. What's this about? Give us the rundown, Mike. Well, basically, this guy kind of wanders into the village, and this old guy gives a monologue um, for 10 minutes about how the village has basically what, like, forsaken technology, and they're not going to use it because technology bad. And then the guy gets up, and he sees another procession parade and then the movie ends um <laughs> yep yeah pretty much yeah it's a funeral but they're all happy like yeah it was all right though i liked it it was just, it was kind of a nice change of pace from the two grim apocalyptic ones i guess it was just like a nice i like the 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 guy who played I, like the the way the guy played i in this one he's just so like happy to be listening to this old man <laughs> it was like Good for you for actually like paying attention and listening to this guy ramble for, <laughs> for so 10 minutes. long. Yeah. After watching Seven Samurai, I thought this was a little dumb, I gotta say. Like we all saw those farmers' lives in Seven Samurai. 
nothing about that seemed peaceful or happy to me. You know, I don't know if, like, war is going on still, but feudal, peasant Japan just kind of seems like a bad place to be in general. I don't know if they're going that far back, were they? I feel like No, was... no. Because that guy was dressed pretty modern. But, like, if you forsake all technology, then what are you gonna be? Well, you're not gonna have, like, bandits coming through and stealing your stuff. I mean, you I might. I mean, why not? Yeah, there's no tech anymore. <laughs> well, that's why you gotta trust the modern world around you not to come and murder you. I yeah, guess. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see what you're going for now. I guess there's not a civil war going on at this point. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like a convenient time to be like, ah, yeah, this life is the best life. I get what he was going for with this one, but I've just like personally grown tired of this uh technology is bad kind of like stories so this one kind of did rub me a little the wrong way it's not presented in a bad way and the dude does look pretty peaceful making his um thing but the point that i got that kurosawa was getting across was like technology is messing up your lives um you need to come back to whatever I kind of wonder what he would have thought about today because he made this in the 90s. Yeah, you know, so, I do wonder. Um, I had more fun thinking about that than actually watching this segment. Yeah, it's like the traditional world meets like the modern world kind of thing. Yeah, and it would have been kind of cool to have more of a like dialogue between the two, I feel like, where they're both talking about the pros and the cons and whatever, but... In this case, it really does just feel like, yeah, the old man just being like, yeah, the traditional way is better, which I'm not, I, I thought it looked nice. Like, it's like, yeah, maybe it would be kind of nice just to live in a village and, I don't know, make water mills all day or whatever he does. But I, I, there should have been more of a conversation, I think, between the two, rather, because I like the guy just smiling along and nodding, asking questions every five minutes or so. But it was just, it would have been nice to see both perspectives. It's interesting because it, it did remind me a lot of part of The Last Samurai, you know, where he's learning about the ways of the samurai and their families and stuff. And he's like, they live a very purposeful, peaceful life. They wake up and devote themselves to their task for the entire day, you know, and then go back and stuff. And I'm like... I, I get it. Like, I get completely why people would like that. And I mean, I probably would enjoy it to some extent, too. I do like technology a lot, though, as well. Oh, but. yeah. As long as I can have, like, my a laptop in my hut and wear headphones <laughs> yeah. all day, then, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. But then again, too, I think that's a generational thing. You know, a lot of this technology came to be when Kurosawa was alive whereas we grew up with it and things like that. So it, it, it's interesting just seeing his viewpoint, I think, since I respect him so much as a filmmaker, you know, but I do agree with you guys. It did feel like just a, a sit down and talking to, you know, as opposed to something more meaningful, I guess. Very much feel like a back in my day. Yeah, <laughs> talk. yeah that's kind of yeah. what it is. Yeah, I didn't want to invite the old. We walked uphill both ways comparison, <laughs> but because the, the old man is very peaceful and he doesn't seem condescending about it. And I think he's got some good. He's got some good points too. Like I don't. I'm not disagreeing with him either. I do think there's. You know, I love technology, but I would agree that. In some points, I think maybe maybe it's not always a good thing, right? But yeah, there's a dark side for sure. 
Yeah, there's always a dark side, but there's always a dark side to most things too. So it's just. I think what you you hit the nail on the head there, Fox. He's not condescending about it at, at all, right? He's just being like, "Hey, this is what I like. This is what I enjoy, and here's what I think. It's fine if you don't agree with me, but you know, it works for me." Is how it feels like, which is good that it feels that way. I don't think it would work at all if he was trying to be condescending about it, you know? Plus you are in like, like Mike mentioned earlier too, like it's a really nice looking village with all the water mills and stuff going. It's, it's cool. It looks, it looks good. Looks nice. I like the visuals and it's all the flowers look really nice in this one too. I I do think it is kind of a, I, I don't like it as much, but I think it's a, it's weird. It works as a good bookend for this because his like what he talks about really is like a the culmination of the themes in all of this these um dreams that he's having, you know? And so it's like it's kinda like a build up to how he views the world and things like that. So I do appreciate it from that aspect, I'll I will say. I'd agree with that. I, I like how it, I think it's a good end piece for it. It's nice and peaceful. Like nothing too crazy is going on. It, it is kind of a relaxing ending, I think, which is kind of nice. Coming off of, yeah, the two apocalyptic hellscapes that we had. So it's good. <laughs> nice, peaceful, nothing. Yeah. Just a guy hanging out in a village with this old man. Yeah. No, I, I love when the credits roll. Like, because you don't even really see it coming or I didn't. It just like has that epic shot of that river and the colors are so vibrant, got the moss. And I was like, why didn't you do this shot for the Van Gogh one? <laughs> but <laughs> and the credits come up and it's so chill. It is a nice send off. Very mellow. I kind of just sat there for a minute and took it all in. Well, should we finish it? Is this it? Should we give our overall presentations with our scale? If everybody's ready. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, so we got a scale we use that goes from burn it, pass, watch it, or buy it in that order. We're all going to give a spiel about what we think about the movie, and then we're going to give it a rating. Who knows? Will the the sum be more than the parts, whatever that phrase is? <laughs> not enough to metaphor works. Will we like it or not? That's what I'm asking here, dang it. Um, so we'll find out. You know, uh-oh, hmm, interesting. How, you know, usually we have a mic go first for all these, so... And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, why don't we change it? But then last night I had a, a dream about the podcast and we were, uh, you know, all getting ready to record. And um, Mike was very stern in the stream. He's like, I'll be going first this time. And then he, he went on a 10 minute rant about what? how much and how important it was that he was the one to go first <laughs> and how tradition's important. And, you know, in this modern age, it's so finicky, but it's important to just keep it the same way every time. So and I woke up and I was like, oh, my God, I almost made a horrible mistake. So, you know what, Mike, I think you should probably go first. This movie was interesting. It really wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. Um, and what I did like most about it was the visuals, um, the way that it looks. It does look pretty good in some of the dream sequences. I really liked um, the shots of the guys in the snow, the demons with the horns, the big uh, like flower thing that they had in there. That stuff was really good. And then just all the flowers in this movie looked pretty good. But 
like overall, I wasn't really able to connect or get very invested in many of these dream sequences. Um, and this is still like a two hour movie. So I I think if you're like interested in a, like Akira Kurosawa, you like his movies, this is probably going to vibe with you. I do like what I have seen of Kurosawa a lot better than this one. I would say for this one, I would honestly probably give it a pass, but most people do seem to probably enjoy this movie. Like most ratings and kind of stuff we've talked about here, I didn't pick up on, but for me, this is a, a pass. Yeah, I agree with uh, what a lot of, a lot, a lot, what a lot, yeah. I agree with a lot of what Mike said there. <clears throat> I, you know, it, it's on me for thinking this was going to be something else, something weirder, something crazier, you know, just because of the, the dream implication always makes me think that it's going to be a weird dream. And this was pretty tame for the most part. There were definitely sequences I liked, like the opening one with the fox wedding and the second one with the the doll dance and the peach grove. You know, I, I've really come to appreciate uh, costume design, especially in these like older Japanese movies. But... Ultimately, yeah, I, I was just not that invested, not super interested. Towards the end, it started to get a little preachy, and I don't know, you know, show me, don't tell me, you know. Uh, the nuclear one kind of did that, but I was already a little burned out on the message at that point. So, mm, I've kind of grappled with this, and I hate to do it, but I, I think I might have to pass this as well. I think if you're like a diehard for Kurosawa... You'll probably enjoy this. I mean, just from like a, even a historical or cultural aspect, I think it's pretty cool. But for just watching on a weekday or a weekend, even your Friday night, I'm not sure this is my first pick. Yeah, this definitely has some ups and downs for me. I'm a little conflicted myself on it. Like, I've liked most of the Kurosawa movies I've seen a lot. And this one, it just didn't quite hit the high notes that I'm used to with him. I feel like. It really drags for a lot of it. Uh, there's some cool ideas, but I think the issue is, and I mean, this is probably just, you know, it's about dreams, right? Like the issue is that maybe they don't always come to like a, a cool conclusion. There's not really like a full blown story. Sometimes it's just like a little glimpses at his dreams or whatever. Um, and I don't know. I just didn't really work for me that well. Uh, I'd like some of his ideas though. Uh, you know, like some of the imagery is really cool. There's some other ones, though, like there's the Avalanche one, which I got to say, I would just say, ugh, that one was just a drag. But not, not all the other ones, honestly, were way better than that. But on the same side of co the coin, I guess I would say that also a lot of them had the same issues that the Avalanche one, just not as bad. Um, so I don't know. I think I'm going to give it a pass as well. I, I think it's an interesting movie, but I just I wasn't I got kind of annoyed with it after a while with, yeah, just kind of like dragging on and on and on for so much of it. Well, well, well. <laughs> Look where we are. Look at this. <laughs> Boys, the lone holdout here on this one. You know, there's something nice about these anthology movies, right? You don't have to watch it all in one setting to get the whole picture. Especially, I'd say the first time, you should probably watch it all, but after that, you you know the whole picture, so you can go back to your favorites and stuff like that. I think this one is a really good one for that style of revisiting, because I, I will admit this one is a lot different from Kurosawa's other stuff. I mean, I've seen quite a bit of his movies, and this one's a lot different from all of them that I've seen so far. But there's still the traces of the 
old Kurosawa style in there, which is nice. Um, but yeah, not not all these are up to snuff. That Blizzard one in particular wasn't that great. I wasn't a huge fan of the Village of the Watermills either, though it did have some things I liked in it. Um, and then the two nuclear ones, I wasn't a huge fan of those either. But you know, I really, really dug the rest of them. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to forget the tunnel, you know? I'm never going to forget that, or the peach tree. Those are like, mm, those are going to be ingrained up here in my brain for a long, long time. And if I wanted to just show somebody something cool, I'd probably get this and watch it on YouTube if I didn't have a copy of it, you know, and be like, hey, you want to see something cool? Let's watch this. It, it, it's weird, right? It's weird because I really liked Quaid and the other anthology movie we did on here. And that one's like really good all the way through. Whereas this one has some that aren't up to snuff. But I'm a big Kurosawa fan, so it was really interesting for me seeing his viewpoints on life and his career, I think, in general in this. And I just dug and vibed with a lot of it, which is really odd to say, uh, <laughs> you know, because I usually don't feel that way with some with movies. But I think I'm gonna buy this one. <laughs> Actually, oh, dang! Like when I when I said I really dug two, four, and five, I I really dug those ones. Like if this movie was just those three, then I'd be like. I'd be like, this is like fine. You don't even need anything else. It's only an hour of three stories. You're good. Like, this is perfect. You should just buy it. And then the other ones on top of this are like just like extra, a little treat, I guess, unless it's the Blizzard one. Yeah. Time to take a nap, maybe for some. Yeah, you could. I got a nice little nap, power nap in during that one. Maybe that's so. why you like this movie so much. You slept through the worst one. <laughs> maybe, but yeah, man, just just on the strength of those three alone, and I mean, I I liked the first one too. I didn't I didn't like despise any of these, you know. But just just those three, like. That that's classic Kurosawa, like telling a story that sticks with you and you think about a lot after you've seen it. And the visuals just add to it in every single way. I'd buy it just for those three alone, you know, so yeah. I I I'll buy it. But I, I admit I am biased too, so do with that as you will, listener. <laughs> Dan is the fan. So for our next Kurosawa movie, I think Fox has got our next pick. What's it going to be? Well, this one, you know, it's been on my list for quite literally years because I thought it had a cool title. But now uh, with Dan's recent information about this uh, no theater, I think I'm even more intrigued. I'm going to go with Throne of Blood for my pick. Ooh, that's a good one. I've actually seen this one before. I'm excited to revisit it. I haven't seen this one, but I love the title. Oh, yeah. That is a great title, man. I do think very highly of this movie. <laughs> It'll be good to, to go back. When was this? Was it the 50s as well, right? 
I don't remember. Oh, yeah, 57. So, yeah, back to the 50s. Yeah, not 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 much long af- longer after Seven Samurai. Yep, yep. <laughs> we jumped all the way to the end almost, and now we're going back. Ping-ponging back and forth. This was kind of my hesitation. I, I was like, should I pick something in the middle or something that's not samurai? Like, Ah, pick whatever you want. Kurosawa's got so many movies, we're never going to be able to... <laughs> there's too many to yeah we're not even gonna like cover a good basis like there's not enough time we'll have to do another category someday but in the meantime if any listeners out there want to get in contact with us you can find us on facebook or twitter at run the real or you can email us at run the real podcast at gmail.com let's know what you think about dreams akira kurosawa's dreams are they intriguing maybe they're a little drawn out you love it do you hate it you kind of middle in the road about it. You want to sit down and talk to me for 10 minutes about your thoughts on it. Um, I'll listen. I'll be happy to. I'll just nod along, ask a couple questions. <laughs> hey, I'm happy to do it. Let us know. I, I'm curious. What's your favorite Kurosawa movie? But are we, Have we missed any so far that we just absolutely should have covered? Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll do them in the future. Let us know. Yeah, give us your ranking. Do it. Rashomon's my favorite. I think that's probably my favorite, too. So far, mine is Seven Samurai, but we'll see. If the series continues, maybe it'll change. Who knows? Hmm. There are two picks left, so yeah. Be sure to tune in next week. You can find out what Terry's favorite Kurosawa is. <laughs> yes, is it going to change? Hmm. And also, yeah, the rest of us, we're going to talk about it. We got two left in the category. But anyways, thanks for going on the dream with us tonight. You're the real dream, listener. We we really appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, this is Run The Real, signing off. Mm-hmm.